so that was Maiden Voyage by Herbie Hancock. Appropriate because this is the Maiden Voyage of my new podcast. Welcome to Brian Talks to Humans. This all started with a New Year's resolution to listen to more podcasts. I had listened to them in the past, had stopped for a while, decided to get back into them. Then I was looking for a project for my students to do, and I thought podcasts would be a pretty cool project. I bought some small microphones for them to plug into their phones. They did some on-the-fly podcasts, and things are working out pretty well. Then I got involved in an effort to build a podcasting lab at the school where I teach. So then I started thinking, I think I want to do a podcast, and I think I can do it. I had had a short-lived and not-too-widely-read education blog some years back. It was a good chance for me to get my ideas out into the world, and it was a fun hobby. So welcome to my new hobby, this podcast, Brian Talks to Humans. So, another podcast, another straight white dude with a podcast. What's this one going to be about? Well, I think I've had a pretty interesting journey to get where I'm at, and I think I know some other folks whose journeys are as interesting or even more so. And that's what Brian Talks to Humans is going to be all about. I'm fascinated by the paths that people take. How did they get to where they are in their life today? What were the twists and turns and the forks in the road and the maps of their lives that made a difference? There's not much out there about everyday people when it comes to these types of stories. And so I want Brian Talks to Humans to be about everyday people. So here's episode one coming right up. Okay, folks, I'm not going to lie. It's been a tough couple days with this podcast thing. Uh, You know, on the first go around, I would expect some technical difficulties, but I sort of had a comedy of errors last night and today. It appeared that I was missing a part that I was supposed to be sent that would make the mic stands and the microphones work together. So, of course, I ordered that part, and then found out through uh, researching a little bit and getting an email from the distributor that there's this little thing I can do to unscrew a piece of something, and, well, you don't care. So there was that technical difficulty. Then my my mics don't work. I was looking to use uh, some of the more expensive mics that I bought for this podcast so the sound could be better for you all and it's not working with uh the computer and and with the the program that i'm using so i got a couple leads on the wikis and forums and that sort of thing that i'm going to follow up on and hopefully i can get that resolved but uh it, it was a it was quite the headache so then once my interview with tim did get started one of the mics died we're using the the cheaper mics and then one of the mics dies because apparently one of my usb ports is probably on the fritz and then when i go to play back tim's interview to re-listen to it uh before i did this intro of course wouldn't you know it about two-thirds of the way into the interview 
the sound gets all echoey. Now there's uh, apparently a couple different reasons for this. I have to look into it uh, some more. So uh, the solution that I have to do is to basically turn off um, the channel and go all the way to the left channel. So that way you'll hear Tim well, but you won't really hear me very well. So my apologies. I'm a novice. I'm an amateur. This is my first go around. I'm still getting my feet under me. I'm figuring things out as I go. So uh, I apologize for the sound quality on this first episode. I do think it's an interesting interview. Uh, Tim is a friend of mine. I know him through some mutual friends. He is uh, cerebral but doesn't take things too seriously. Uh, He's got a a good sense of humor, a sharp wit. Uh, He's real self-aware. And uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, our conversation. So here's my interview with Tim. Stay tuned after Tim's outro music for some important information. I'm going to do an outro for the show. Uh, trust me, you'll you'll want to hear it. Here's my interview with Tim. Episode one of Brian Talks to Humans coming at you from the Brian Talks to Humans headquarters, BTTHHQ, <laughs> which is, of course, a tiny apartment with two dogs and a guest in it, so it's pretty cramped. And after some technical difficulties, uh, we're on our way. Today's human is. Hey, it's me. Uh, uh, my name's Timothy Ward, uh, friend of Brian's. I'm loving your dogs. They're so good. They're such good boys. So tell me about your uh, intro music choice. Uh, the intro music choice. Uh, that was Best Intentions by Cartel, right? Um, yep. It's a good track, you know. Cartel was a band uh, that I grew up listening to in the early aughts. Uh, not just the aughts, more the later aughts. And um, they're a good band. You know, they, they, uh, they didn't really get a whole lot of um, recognition uh, when they were coming around. They had a big... Like they had a bit of a like an MTV thing where they recorded an album in a bubble, like in New York City. Like it was weird, but um, I always used to, to 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 give them a hard time because um, I never really found their sound. That was what I always said. And my my buddy John was like, "What are you talking about? Cartels a great band." And I went back and listened to it, um, and they're they're way better than I gave them credit for. I, you know, revisiting some songs and and Best Intentions is a great track on an album called Cycles. Um, it's good. It's good, and it's taken on new meaning for me as I've gotten older. That's uh, what I was going to ask you how yeah. the track speaks to you. Yeah, no. Um, uh, I, I've had a, an interesting life uh, um, in terms of um, how do I say this? Uh, I, I can be really hard on myself. I can be really uh, critical uh, of the things that I've done, and uh, you know, even if they're relatively benign. And one of the things that speaks to me in that track is like, "You're good, dude." You know, like, like. Even in the stuff that you messed up, you had good intentions, and um, frankly, you're better for 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 the things that you've been through, and and, and I appreciate that uh, that sentiment, you know. So, um, 
a really important question before we get back to that. Yeah, sure, please. Um, how are you doing with the national emergency? <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, are you okay? I'm fucking... Do you feel emergent? Uh, emergent. Um, I'm freak... I, I don't know, man. Like, did he declare it yet? Like, what's 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 the state of this fucking you thing? You know, I don't know that it's official that he's um, declared it, but I know that um, he's going to. Great. Uh, sounds like a great fucking time. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I, I'm not feeling too good about it, to be honest with you. Um, do you ever watch uh, House of Cards? Yes, a lot. Yeah. Uh, remember that time where fucking, excuse me, sorry, um, where, uh, um, how do you feel about swearing on the show? Just uh, go right the fuck ahead. Cool. Awesome. Um, the, um... okay, sorry, uh, technical difficulties again, right. we're back on board, uh, House of Cards and the House analogy with the national emergency. Yeah, no, I just remember how, uh, this fictional TV president, um, uh, wound up using an, an uh, what was it an, it wasn't a national emergency i think it was just an emergency state of emergency in washington dc that he fabricated to like get a jobs program done right right yeah yes. to to yeah, reroute that. um money from fema i think it was and um if that's what a fictional president can do on a netflix show i'm just i'm a little nervous about what the what the hell is going to wind up happening if and probably when this happens. So you know, when we were at um, a friendsgiving a while back, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I really, I, I was biting my tongue all night, but then I, I long story short, uh, I blurted out, "Well, I, I think the Germans were thinking that in the '30s." Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I posted on Facebook a while back, you know, this thing comparing like this national emergency to the Reichstag fire in in Germany and and then they said that was uh, one way that you know Hitler was like okay now give me like all right. this power that I didn't have right before that in the parliament the Reich, right you know, Reich sag well well look at that, look at what happened power, with the, you know. the the Patriot Act and and 911 right. right you know even um I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd so I'm going to um <laughs> reference this to you know one of the reasons the emperor in Star Wars came to power was because he fabricated a war he fabricated an emergency and he convinced the senate and the senate was very corrupt in the star wars universe which is you know and not not really rooted in reality as we all know you know the senate is a beacon of, <laughs> of integrity um and um uh wound up getting more and more emergency powers until he was able to just completely subvert the constitution right. um and um <laughs> george lucas is a lot of things but he's not exactly um unaware um, of political situations, you know, all of episode six. I mean, the Battle of Endor was a sort of analogous to the Vietnam War. Okay, I can you know? see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The little Ewoks the, that could, you know, fighting the the grave imperial power. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, nerd stuff. Yeah, sure. So one thing that I was thinking about the other day is kind of like how you're super nerd. <laughs> yeah like you do it all I, it's star wars it's pokemon go yeah it's you know a tabletop game sure so is it something where you know you start to you pick up one or the other and then you're just like well then i'll do this then i'll do that and you sort of make this constellation of cultural choices and you kind of put yourself in this like oh well i'm a nerd <laughs> so i have to like this kind of thing not that i'm saying right. you don't genuinely like no it, no no but I, let me give you an example please before you answer so like you know i started getting into grateful dead and fish Right. Right. And then you, you sort of take on certain sort of cultural practices when you do that. 
you know? Sure, and then, sure. Then you start liking you know, it's sort of a, a narrow sliver of bands. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah, at, yeah, the, yeah. at the expense of, of other things sometimes. Right. Like, so you're supposed to like Mo, you're supposed to like Umphreys, you're supposed to like, uh, you know. Yeah, I'll take and your so word you for it. so you pick those up, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So is it, what what got you into nerd stuff? Mm-hmm. And, and how did it get from like, you know, hey, Star Wars is cool to like, I'm doing everything i'm super nervous. that's a that's a really cool question so my family in general um particularly my family of origin they were not big cinephiles right they weren't big into um popular culture in a lot of ways right um you know my mom uh i never was really taken to a whole lot of movies right like i think i might have seen jurassic park or, or something like that um but I remember in what was it, 99, 90, something like that, when episode one came out, The Phantom Menace, my aunt took me to that and she and, and I remember like that was the first movie that I really loved. Right. And because um, and I know it's not, you know, it doesn't really hold up uh, from my childhood. I understand that. But um, so I saw that movie. It was the first movie that I ever really liked. So I was like, OK, this is the movie now this is my the movie that i watch and i remember watching the vhs tape in my grandmother's guest bedroom because still vhs yeah yeah yeah, of course um and i would you know watch the whole movie through uh press stop because you had to press stop for it to rewind faster watch that blue screen for about 40 minutes or whatever then rewatch the movie and um so star wars for a long time when i was young was my literal only popular culture touchstone um, so I played all the video games and, um, read, read some novels and watched some TV shows. And, um, I think that had a big impact on how I approach, um, not just, or maybe it wasn't an impact, but maybe it was sort of telling, uh, about how I would approach most things later on in life is that, um, when I find something I love, I dive deep and I dive heavy into it. I can identify. You know, and, uh, and sometimes that has gotten me into trouble. Um, and, um, you know, so Star Wars was a thing. And um, then video games became a thing because I was playing Star Wars video games. And then I got introduced to other different video games. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know if... Um, I under, see, I understand your point uh, about, you know, when you get into one cultural sort of um, uh, pocket, you start to sort of um, ingest mu- a lot of that media specifically because you started in that pocket or something. Um, but mostly, um, I, I'm kind of a collection of the people that are around me, you know? you know. Um, so I got into Dungeons & Dragons because... Um, one of my friends was running a Dungeons and Dragons Star Wars campaign, so I was like, "Cool, let me check this out and I'll have so, fun." Pause. Yeah, button. please. So a D and D Star Wars campaign is like so it's played with like the rules and stuff of D and D, but the universe is a Star Wars universe. Basically, basically, some systems, you know, there's a thousand different tabletop systems, right? And uh, a few of the Star Wars systems have their own rules and mechanics, but like same basic idea, you know, you're you have a token and you have numbers associated with stats and. Um, you roll dice to see what's going to happen. So, would it be safe to say that you were an endorsey type of uh, person? When no, you were young? no, no, not at all. Okay. Um, you know, I remember like I'm I'm still young enough. You know, I'm 27, so I'm 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 old enough to remember the days of uh, AOL dial-up internet and mm-hmm. um, you know um, the internet not being a particularly um, 
viable way to consume media. Um, so a lot of the time I was playing outside with my friends. Um, you know, um, it was also before cell phones were really popular. So I remember walking around with these fucking walkie talkies that we all had, you know, uh, different channels for and, and, sure. um, you know, uh, so we, it was still enough of an analog universe. When oh you yeah. Were, yeah, for sure. You young. Um, so then, so then you get into this, uh, D and D star Wars campaign. That right was now. much later in life. That was when I was, you know, like 20 ish 21 so before that it much was later in life at 21 games. uh yeah yeah um i played card games growing up because those were the cartoons that i watched so like uh match the gathering a little bit of Pokemon, magic more digimon. more Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, i don't know if digimon has a card game um oh, I, thought they did. Uh, I could be, i could be wrong dude um but um no i played Yu-Gi-Oh growing up a lot um i played Pokemon growing up a lot. Um, not much, so much the card game as the video game, but um, you know what it is? Um, uh, I have a lot of jackets, and this is going to make sense in a second. I have a lot of jackets, you know, um, and I... Actual I, jackets. Like not coats. A metaphor, like no, like, a lot of hats. no, 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 okay. no. Coats. Right. You know, the one that I, I'm wearing, you know, that I brought here today, I've had that for like eight years, right? Like, I have another coat at home that I've had for ten years. I, I like... I don't let go of things that I like very easily, right? So even if I grew up with, like, football, I'm sure I would still be just as passionate or, you know, if I was interested in football, I'm sure I would be just as passionate about football now as I was when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's more like I have a difficult time letting go of things that I genuinely enjoy. So, you know, as an adult, um, I don't really care if Pokemon is associated with, like, childishness because I enjoy it. I know the complexities of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it brings me joy. So, like, what am I? What, why am I going to fucking stop so, that? So, you think it's a personal thing? Like you said, when you when you get into something, you dive into it. Yeah. Or do, or do you think it's also a somewhat a generational thing? You know, because um, sure, people. I don't want to say grow out of it because again, that makes things sound you know adult versus child. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. But you know, I think I think maybe a little bit younger than me, we have folks you know playing video games into their thirties and forties. Right, right, right. Because because they grew up with the video games. Is it sure. is it uh, both for you or? Um, I think I think it's I think it's a combination of the of the two to be frank because I think um, a lot of people my age have an easier time uh, indulging in what some folks might call childish things. You know, I know toy sales are up. Um, I remember reading an article about this. Uh, I could be wrong, but toy toy sales are up wildly with with uh, millennials, right? Like, um, you know, I bought like a five hundred dollar like custom-made lightsaber that I, like, put together. I know. I don't know. know. See, laughing at that is so fucking rude because, I, you know, like, I play fantasy football. Right, right, like, right, right. So right. what the fuck's it yeah, Exactly. Right? That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's cultural, uh, you know, generational, but I know it's very specific to me uh, as well, you know. So you said uh, there's the complexities of – not that I want to – you know, go down yeah, a rabbit hole right, with right, this. Yeah, I mean, right. I'll you know, I'll, I'll get onto something else in a second. But you know, so what are what are the complexities that make sort of a, something like a Pokemon Go? Sure. You know, more than meets the eye to those folks who are dismissing it as like you're playing a kids game. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll just I'll just talk about Pokemon proper for a second because uh, Pokemon Go is a complicated mess. Um, like Pokemon proper is, you know a giant game of rock, paper, scissors, for lack of a better word, right? You have different types, okay? I'll give you three for an example. There's water, there's fire, there's grass, right? Um, fire will do double damage to grass. 
uh, grass will do double damage to water, and water will do double damage to fire, right? And there's about 800 Pokemon, right, that all have different types, different type combinations. I think there's about 17 or 18 total types. Um, so you have to take into account, you know, is the Pokemon that I'm choosing, and you get to pick six, is the Pokemon I'm choosing going to be able to counter this thing effectively? You know, how do I map out move sets that'll allow me to appropriately and effectively respond to whatever scenario is thrown my way? Um, you know, uh, what items am I going to let my Pokemon use? Am I going to, um, you know, give it an item that boosts its attack? Am I going to give it an item that'll let it re regenerate health? There's like, it's it's almost impossible for me to describe like the like uncountable um, amount of situations that you could be presented in a situation like that. So, you know, to a kid, it's like, I got a Bulbasaur and it, it smacked the guy with its leaf, right? Like, but to an adult, it's like, is this person going to switch out a Pokemon? Because if he switches out a Pokemon, I need to make sure I'm using the appropriate move, not for the Pokemon I'm about to t attack, but for the Pokemon that's going to come so after. So you got to be uh, several moves ahead, like it, chess. Exactly. It's very, it's, yeah, it, it's more, um, there's a lot of strategy and there's a whole lot of knowledge that you need to have in order to um, more, most effectively participate in the match that you're, you're taking, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're in at the moment, you know? Um, you know, and I did that with Star Wars, too. Like, you know, when I was eight, right, I didn't pick up on the, the political intricacies of, of you know, mm -hmm. suspending the Constitution to grant basically fas a fascist, like, un un unchecked power. I was just like, those lightsabers are cool, and right, I, right. Like, I like that big ball that blows up planets. So, you know, I just think with age, for me, um, it didn't it didn't mandate that I get rid of some of these more quote-unquote childish things it just allowed me to dive more deeply and and more um uh intricately into the subtleties of the things that i really enjoy and it just so happens that the things that i really enjoyed as a kid had a lot of <laughs> really interesting subtleties to to dive into so let's talk about another one of your, your passions yeah um, please acting theater yeah 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 when did you get into that um so when I was young, I had these Mega Blocks or Legos. I, I don't know which ones they were, but they were really big, right? Like, you know, and I would build stages uh, and I would make my family watch me do Elvis impersonations or like <laughs> I would dress up as Santa Claus for right. Christmas. And, you know, I'm like two or three years old. Um, so I, I did that a lot growing up, um, did some school plays in middle school. I think it was George Washington in one year and appropriately enough, got to play Santa Claus another year. Um, and then in high school, um, that's when I started to get more involved in theater because, uh, you know, I'm not a jock. I, I'm not built for it. You know, I have um, a couple of uh, physical conditions that get in the way of me participating in those kinds of activities. So I, I went over to theater and um, I had a blast. And, um, you know, when I was in high school, I did well with, with the theater, but I was kind of like, eh, whatever. It's not really, you know, something I'm into. And then when I got to college, um, a friend of mine uh, encouraged me to audition for a show she was putting on, and I wound up getting the lead in that show and um, kept just kind of kept doing it. And um, I really fell in love with it. It was really um, it was really important to me in my you know uh, late teens, early twenties. Um, why why then, and why so important to you? What what sure. you push? What itch did it scratch? Um, I wasn't a popular dude, 
in, in high school. You know, I, I got there towards the end. People knew me, but that's just sort of the effect of being a senior, right? Um, then when I got in college, I found this thing that I was pretty good at, right? Like I did, I, I was actually pretty good. I, I got a couple nominations in like school, right? Like school awards, right? In the department. And it, it turned out this was the thing that I could do and I could do well. Um, and I could do it in a way that was unique and specific to me, which made me stand out. And to be honest with you, as, as much as I love the performance, I, I, I kind of loved the um, big fish in a small pond sort of effect that it granted me. You know, um, like being able to walk down campus and have somebody say, um, hey, you're that guy in that show, right? You were really good, right? It was kind of an ego stroke, to be perfectly frank. But there was a real artistic component for it as well, you know. Um, 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 I just really enjoy diving into anything and really picking it apart and being able to do that with a script um, and um, decide what am I going to do? What action am I going to take that will effectively communicate the subtext of this line or, um, you know, um, it, it's just interesting. And I liked being challenged. That was really the, the cool part. I had a lot of really great directors that really challenged me to do the best work that I could do. And, um, it was, it was just sort of thrilling. Um, you know, um, even when I go to concerts or, or, um, you know, things like that. I'm always more uncomfortable in the audience than I am on the stage, um, which is an interesting thing for me. Yeah, you know, because for so many people, being on stage and doing anything public is, yeah, you know, yeah, a, a great fear there. So, um, so you're growing up, you're um, absorbing some of this nerd culture, right. and it becomes, you know, a, a, an obsession. You yeah. move into high school, and you're. You're and you know, into acting and but, but before I forget yeah, to, yeah. Um, I don't mean to interject, but no, like cool. one of the things about acting um, that I really like too is like I get to live in that sort of fantasy world that I like to occupy, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's Star Wars or Pokemon or whatever, right? Like um, I got to, um, you know, play like, uh, I got to play like a disembodied soul, like, you know, like going through different reincarnations. That was a lot of fun. I got to play a, a psychiatrist. I, I got to play um, a pseudo-Nazi officer, and that was really disturbing, but it was certainly insightful. And, um, you know, there's something about diving into a very specific and well-crafted world and inhabiting it and uh, that I really, really enjoy. Um, because for me, acting isn't um, becoming somebody else. Acting is... Um, what would I do if I were in these circumstances, right? Like, like if I were this person, how would I behave? Um, so, so not to get you on the couch or anything, but <laughs> do you think there's a through line there? Yeah, in yeah, the two yeah, yeah. that you're that there's a, a an escape of reality sure. theme going on. Or? So, um, every psychiatrist or therapist that I have ever had has thought it was profoundly insightful to make that observation. Um, <laughs> You know, oh, you're an actor. Folks, he's telling me yeah. that I made that observation, and it's not. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 a it's a it's an obvious and reasonable question. Sure. You know, to say, do you uh, like to do you like to perform as somebody else because you're uncomfortable with who you are, right? Like, yeah, right. Who isn't? You know, um, but um, you know, um, there's there's I, for me, there's just something magical about. Um, 
just occupying space in in a, a world that's a little more fantastical than ours. Which is not to say that our world isn't um, full of drama and fantasy, but um, it's a little more contained in uh, those those other arenas. So, you know, people always say like, you never ask straight people when did you know you were straight. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, although I could probably, if I if I wanted to, uh, pinpoint a couple spots where I was like, I realizing I I, I, I like girls. Right. You right. Right. I mean? Right. Right. And, you know, one of them was seeing a pretty woman on a magazine cover in the supermarket when I was uh, like six years old. You know, something sure. like that. You know? um, so, how did you know, and when did you know that, like, hey, I'm, I'm into both? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's interesting because when I was very, very little, I was a hopeless romantic. Um, I remember there's a girl I grew up with and I gave her a little flower when we were kids, right? I had a girlfriend, quote unquote, when I was in like first grade. Um, so it was never, it, it was an interesting thing of like, um, how do I say this? Um, you know, I, I was kind of attracted to men. There was also like when I was younger, a lot more, um, homophobia running rampant in terms of schools and you know like this guy oh that guy's gay you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. so um that word got thrown around a lot and if i'm being frank it was like am i like you know Mm -hmm. and um for me it was never a question of like am i gay am i straight like i like i love women i love women a lot i have a girlfriend i have you know like like i have always loved and have been attracted to women it was more like, am I also attracted to dudes, right? And that was obviously something that I explored, um, you know, a little later uh, than high school and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, it was never a question of like, am I gay? Am I straight? It was more of a question of like, no, I definitely like ladies, but like, what's going on with this dude thing? Um, but I knew something was up maybe sixth grade, seventh grade-ish. Um, and then when I was in college, um, things kind of took off for me and I dated a woman for a little while and, um, then, um, started to, you know, explore other options for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. And, um, it's weird because to me, it's like the sexuality that makes the most sense, which is not me like dismissing anybody's personal identity or, or, or anything like that. It's just like, you know, um, I'm not like going to close myself off to a potential like beautiful romantic relationship um, um, based on somebody's gender or lack of gender or, you know, their fluidity or whatever like that. Um, So it's, it wasn't, um, it it was, it was more a question of what is the label that I have? Because I knew I wasn't straight. So it was a question of like, Mm -hmm. Where do I fall on the spectrum? Because we're obsessed with labeling. Exactly, exactly, which is a ridiculous idea anyway. Sure. And I mean, there's science to suggest that, uh, at least I think I've read uh, somewhere, that you know, there's no such thing as a thousand percent straight. I don't know, man. I, th- I think maybe scientifically not, but culturally, sure. you know, yeah. you know um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of ingrained. You know, like I was just saying, like growing up and, and being called gay, uh, when I was a kid, right? Yeah. Like it was, um, <laughs> like 
you know, the word gay was used as a slur and an insult rather like than the simple descriptor that, you know, we kind of use today. Right. And um, yeah. I remember seeing something on Tumblr not too long ago about a smoking ad. It was like two kids in high school and like this is a few years ago, um, like sneaking into the bathroom and like they're getting a little too close. It's a little weird. And like he pulls a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket and it like faded to black and it was like like a really ominous like truth voice for lack of a better word it was like um uh are they smoking or are they gay smoke <laughs> i'm not even kidding and i'm not even kidding and then it went and then it went smoking is gay no i'm not even kidding it's a real yeah uh, i gotta yeah I gotta find that yeah check that out it's when fucking I, I wild show notes i'm gonna try to find a link mm. to that for folks and oh yeah it's um that. Yeah. it's insane <laughs> it's wild so um so then for you it's just being open to to possibilities right? yeah but i mean there's also a, a i mean like i'm also genuinely attracted uh, to, to men in many ways um but um yeah it, it like it it didn't make sense to me to not embrace that part of 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 who i was because like it just meant closing myself off to whatever right. you know um experience was going to so make me the most happy. Around what age did you say, okay, this world likes labels. This is the <laughs> label that I'm adopting. Yeah, it was um, maybe 20, 21. Um, after my first real significant relationship when um, I felt more comfortable moving around in that arena with, with a little more, uh, with a little more of a laissez-faire attitude, let's say. And um, it was... You know, the frustrating part was trying to figure out what to call myself. You know, like, am I bisexual? Am I pansexual? Am I queer? Am I heteroflexible? Whatever. And it just for me personally, the word bi made the most sense. And, like, you know, there's there's a whole movement in this in the community, the queer community. It's, it's really fractured. It's kind of weird. You know, it can be very unified movement and, and group of folks, but it can also be very fractured. Like um, many movements. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And... Um, there's this whole discussion in the queer community, uh, the LGBT community. There's even a discussion about whether or not saying the word queer in reference to all uh, sort of gender and sexual I- identifications is even appropriate, which is kind of weird to me. But um, like the idea that bisexuality is inherently problematic because it enforces the gender binary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for most folks like me, right, like like bisexuality doesn't mean attracted to men and women. It means attracted to one or more gender. Okay. Right. Is so okay. Yeah. So then, how? So then, why not like poly or pan? Or... So um, pan also just means it's like a universal sort of um, term for like I'm attracted to people, right? right? F- for me, like like the two are relatively interchangeable as far as you know. Like I'm attracted to I, I have a, a pansexual friend and we're attracted to the same people, not like individual people, but we're attracted to the same types of people and for me by just made more sense it just felt more correct for me and my personal identity identity than mm-hmm. a different label yeah. so uh, it, it's just a, a weird um thing that is being debated do you listen to uh the podcast query i don't no no i don't it's, it's pretty good i mean um i'm not of the community but sure. I certainly enjoy it it's uh it's one that you might be into so yeah um you want to talk about mental health or no yeah let's 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 dive into it man so um 
around what age uh, are you uh, starting to feel certain things, or, or yeah. and around what age do they do they put a label on you the, until you get diagnosed? Uh, so my experience with therapy started very young when my folks got divorced. Okay. Um, you know, so they got divorced, and I went right into a therapist's office. Um, and um, the first moment that I really remember having like an emotional sort of <laughs> uh, inappropriate or let, let's say uh, a heightened emotional state is when um, I turned 13 <laughs> and I like locked myself in my bedroom on my birthday party and cried because I was now a teenager and that my childhood was over. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I mentioned that I have a medical condition when I was... 15 or 16 I, I i received that diagnosis and that sent me into a spiral of um really my first major depressive episode and um as i got older things got a little more complicated you know the depression sort of started to get coupled with mania um until um right at the end of my of my first go at at uh, undergrad and um I had to take some time off to to get my 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 uh recovery on track right like my my mental health and um a couple of other different things that needed to get um sort of under control and um the diagnosis proper maybe happened when i was 22 okay um which is you know i have manic depressive disorder right so um that's you're two though right you're bipolar two no i'm one i'm oh, one, one. I'm okay. yeah i'm 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 full-blown we're here okay. you know All right. um <laughs> but um you can't really diagnose that you know, um, one of the criteria is having a, a full blown unconditional manic episode, awesome. and that usually doesn't happen until you're early to mid twenties. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. That. So yeah. when I was younger, I was diagnosed with depression, ADHD, sure. yeah. uh, eventually obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder, all of these diagnoses that didn't, you know, account for a problem that couldn't have been diagnosed yet because I didn't have that manic episode. Um, so I remember very clearly, like I had to av- advocate for myself. Like I read the DSM, right? Like I, I right, yeah. like I read through the the diagnosing uh, criteria for certain conditions until I was talking to some friends of mine um, who, uh, you know, were in my outpatient programs who were, you know, like also there to get their mental health under control. And suddenly, the the symptoms of bipolar disorder started to describe my experience better than this mis this mismatch, this like uh, smattering of different um diagnoses mm. and um i had to push for it like i had to you know um i remember i was on a slew of different medications and i said to my doctor um if i am not bipolar i shouldn't be on this medication or this medication and um he was like okay that's a fair point and i said so let me let's go off these medications and see what happens and get the right diagnosis uh so i went off those medications under the proper medical supervision mm-hmm. right and um wound up having a at least a mild episode of an episode enough to get the proper diagnosis but one of the things that i've learned when it comes to my medical health and my mental health is that i need to be my best advocate sure yeah. you know and that's something that i try to pass on to folks who are in uh similar circumstances you know um i i just you know your experience better than anybody else and as long as you're um taking the advice of the professionals and the folks around you you know in earnest um, you still have to advocate for yourself. You know, the only reason I still see my own psychiatrist, the, the psychiatrist that I had been seeing since I was a kid was because he knows that I know, like he knows what I, he knows that I have a, a pretty decent understanding of how medications work and how my particular, uh, 
illness works for me. And um, he'll listen to me when I say, like, you know, this medication isn't working. I think it's because of X factor. Um, and we should probably switch over to Y dosage, right? Like, um, um, having that knowledge base has allowed me to, um, again, be my best advocate and, and make sure that I can take care of myself in, in a, in an appropriate way. Mm. Yeah. I, I've had to do some trial and error with uh, the meds. Too, oh yeah, for sure. You know, and, um, you know, unfortunately it's not like diabetes where like, right. you know, this is your blood sugar level, you know, this is your insulin dose. So it's it sounds to me like in these in the teenage to early twenty years yeah early twenties years you've got the the physical health issues sure. going on yeah. you got the mental health issues going on you're exploring your sexuality <laughs> yeah. right and and yeah, these are was... tough years for for folks even without right you know sort of those three things yeah going on um, how do you come out on the other side? being the tim that i know right who's you know got his shit together right so right to yeah I mean, absolutely who, who has their shit together nobody yeah, but, yeah, yeah you yeah. know what i mean no i do i yeah. do i know what you mean um it was a lot of realizing what i could and could not handle um you know uh like i said uh my first undergo my first go around at undergrad went really well until my mental health started to get out of control and and one of the things that um um sort of um like made that sort of unmanageability show up was, you know, like any other college kid I drank, you know, and I, I, I did, um, uh, you know, have some fun. I went to some parties and stuff like that. And, and the problem with, with bipolar disorder is that, you know, um, here's an interesting thing, right? So alcohol is a depressant, right? I have bipolar disorder and, you know, there's depression and then there's mania, which is like the other complete side of the spectrum, right? It's like anti-depression and I'm not talking about like, you know, Zoloft, right? Right. No, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's like, um, it's like, like Spock and bearded Spock, like mania is bearded depression. <laughs> I'll take your word right? for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, um, turns out the alcohol as a depressant was masking the mania. So it actually made my, um, um, mental health a little more manageable, right? Believe it or not. Then I got cast in a role to play a recovering alcoholic. I remember hearing about yeah. this. Yeah, tell so that story. So I, um, I was very into acting at the time, again, in my, my early 20s, and um, uh, I was taught, uh, you know, a little bit about method and a little bit about Stanislavski's system and, you know, really diving into a character and inhabiting their world and their mindset. So I was like, all right, so I'll just stop drinking. Um, you know, and, um, one that was a little harder than I thought it would be. And then two, you take the depressant away f from a person that needs something to keep that mania in check. All of a sudden, all your symptoms are going to show up and that's exactly what happened to me. And, um, um, I had to walk away from school for a little while again, um, to help rein in a lot of, of, um, things that I had no idea what they were or what was going on or how to manage them. And I, the, the, the simplest way that I can describe getting out on the other side and, 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 um, getting my own circumstances under control is to sort of just like, again, take the word of like, take the advice of the people that know more than I do, Yeah, you know? And, you know, eventually when you do that enough, you start to, learn a little bit about your own circumstances and can advocate for yourself, sure. you know, but like, um, 
um, I'm only where I'm at today and I'm only alive because people cared enough to, um, um, I guess allow me the dignity of my own recovery, but also, um, to take care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. Right. And so until I was able to sort of, again, start becoming my own advocate in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, let's fast forward to now a little mm. bit. Uh, you, you use the word girlfriend, so I'll use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, uh, where'd you meet her? Through friends of friends, you know, we were, were hanging out at a, a Halloween party mm. and somebody suggested we go into the city and, um, you know, hit up, a um, somewhere just like to dance or whatever. Right. And, um, uh, I decided to say yes again, just another instance in my life that just showed up because I said yes at the right time. Um, and we met, she laughed at my jokes. <laughs> I asked her for coffee and yeah. it, it went from there. That's yeah. How it goes, yeah. Uh, interesting story about that night too. We went, we were originally trying to go to a couple of different places, but the only place that didn't really have a line was this gay bar called the monster. And uh, it turns out I was the only one that had never been to a gay bar in the, in that group of folks. <laughs> it was all straight people. Right, and right. I was like, I've never been to a gay bar. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you got a healthy relationship. Yeah. You've got, um, like we said, for whatever shorthand that, that we're going to, we're going to use, got your shit together. Right, right. Right. Uh, you just recently, uh, finished undergrad, correct? I did, I did, yes. So are you still thinking about, um, education? I, yeah, I, I am. I am thinking about it. Um, you know, with that, it's kind of tricky because part of me is like, yeah, I kind of want to really do that. And then part of me is like, people have been telling me that for a long time. And I don't know if that's just something that has been incepted, you know, into my brain or if it's something I really want to do, but, um, it's definitely on the table. Um, you know, it's weird. I didn't, you know, because of how, um, erratic, uh, the last few years have been trying to get everything under control. And now I'm like, now I'm comfortable and stable. I'm, I'm like really doing very, very well in a lot of different arenas. Um, but like I went to file some paperwork at the end of December and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you're graduated. Like you're done. So I was just kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, I guess I'll start the next part of life. Right. <laughs> so but is the next 40 years we have yeah, to choose something. Right. To, right. You know, exactly. Not, actually you don't, you know, because it's so many people change careers these days. But, right. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Keep going. Oh no, no. So, you know, it, it's on the table. It's just, um, I got hit with, with, uh, the graduation very, uh, kind of out of nowhere. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm not exactly sure where, where this, this path is going to take me next, but either way, like I said, um, with with the people around me and and the um the amount of um the how much i have put into you know becoming a more well-rounded and and balanced healthy person uh the more i'm convinced that regardless of whatever i decide to do i'm going to do it well and i'm going to be um uh okay you know right on okay so a couple important things here yeah please number one what was the name of the the uh, in the most recent um, Star Wars? Uh, the Last Jedi or uh, Solo? Uh, no, 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 you know the other the Last Jedi. So the the what were the little things, the little animal things that Porks. Uh, Chewie ate one? Porgs, I believe okay, they're called right. Porgs. So what's your stance on things like Jar Jar and Porgs and things right. like that in the in the Star yeah, Wars yeah, yeah, canon? Yeah, yeah. And... Star Wars is a fucking franchise for kids. Okay, it's always been a kids franchise. It just has been, and um. 
you know, I think, I think um, dismissing some of the more childish aspects of the franchise is is just ridiculous. Do you think we're gonna get more of it now that Disney's in control? Or? I mean, we have, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look at the Ewoks, right? And yeah. and the Ewoks, like I said, still managed to be an allegory for the Vietnam War. So, like, what do <laughs> you, true. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. One thing about Jar Jar Binks that um, I find frustrating a little bit, he's one of the very first fully CGI characters in cinema. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether or not you hate the character, you can't deny how important he is to the special effects industry. That's a good way of putting it. I never I never thought of it that way. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to play... Uh, you've chosen some outro music for us. Yeah, for sure. Before we get to that... Uh, book, movie, play, album. Book, movie, play, album. One of them, all of them. Okay. That that pick one that, that like has like speaks to you or helps define you or or if I, if I was okay. gonna make a soundtrack of your life, you know what would it be? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Movie that speaks to me because this is actually something I wanted to touch on. Um. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a really good movie, um, mostly because it deals with, for me, what hit really hard was, like, how do you forget relationships? How do you, like, like how do you move past troubling moments in your life, right? Like, do you do your best to forget and move on, or do you confront the difficulties of what you've endured and move through it, right? Like, um, I talked a little bit about being hard on myself at the beginning of the podcast, right? Like, um, you know... Like I, I, I do my best to be an avid feminist and 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 uh, um, you know uh, advocate in the queer community and and use like I'm a white dude I'm a straight passing white dude right like there's a lot that um, I can do with the way that I look and the way that I present to help folks who don't have that same level of privilege right even if it's just um, you know um, I, I, how do I even articulate this like. Um, like uh you know stopping a cashier at a store for saying something you know racist or something like whatever you know whatever it is you know um so i have all this this privilege and i haven't always utilized it most like effectively right and and with responsibility um and you know in a lot of cases i like like every young person without much knowledge of of how other people move in the world um, I've contributed to certain problems in a lot of ways. Like I, I um, you know, when I was very, very young, um, I always thought like feminism was a valid thing, but like I still contributed to cultures and, and, and behaviors that sort of perpetuate the, the, the cycle of, of uh, unfairness and, 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 and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the reason I'm bringing up eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is um you know, with all of that in my past and with all of um, um, the things that I would like to forget that I have done or that I have not done, right? Um, it's important to know that, one, you'll never be able to forget it. Two, you shouldn't forget it and that you should own up to certain things, move through them, not like past them. Mm. And... Um, start learning from mistakes and utilizing certain areas of privilege in order to make somebody else's life better. So that way that privilege isn't quite as disproportionate. Um, so 
that's one of the, the I like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind in that regard. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Okay. Um, You're an actor. Yeah. What's your favorite play? Doubt. Uh, I really, really, really love Doubt. Um, it deals with, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Um, I'll abstain from the recovering Catholic joke. <laughs> um, and um, I just really like the nuance of that play. Um, it questions institutions without doing so directly. It, uh, you know, the viability of those institutions and the integrity of those institutions it, um, is a really personal sort of story. You know, it's like four or five characters at the most. Um, it carries a lot of impact, and um, it's one of my favorite plays for sure, for sure, by a long shot. So, uh, plugs. Um, yeah. Let's plug uh, first. Your do you do you want to plug the voiceover stuff you're working on? Oh yeah, that would be great. Um, I'm working on a cartoon show. It's 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 a web series that's currently in the process of being funded. Uh, it's it's called Space Hotel. It's by um, let me pull up the GoFundMe real quick. Uh, the GoFundMe page uh, is listed as uh, Galactic Punchbowl. Um, <laughs> that's the production company, cool. right? Yeah. But I'm playing the lead uh, on this cartoon show, a guy named Job, um, who is working at a hotel in space to pay off his great, great, great ancestor's college debt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a good show. It's current. Yeah. It's currently um, getting funded on GoFundMe, or uh, you know, so if you want to drop over there, drop a couple dollars on that. Uh, that'd be very appreciated. Um, so that's that. Um, podcast. Podcast. Uh, I do a podcast with a couple guys called Twenty Thirty Forty. Um, you, we're on pretty much all your favorite podcatchers. You can find us on the Apple Podcast app, Twenty Thirty Dash Forty dot net. Um, and um, I'm actually in the process of 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 kind of crafting my own podcast. Um, it's been in the works for a little while, and I haven't found folks who were as committed to the concept as I have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just decided to sort of do what you're doing and, and sort of do it on my own. Um, the basic premise is much like you, you interview in, in interesting, ordinary people with interesting lives. And one of the things that my podcast, uh, I'm considering back of hand canon, um, is interviewing colloquial experts on things like Star Wars or Pokemon and sort of talk about the most interesting thing about that that no one's really talking about and um hopefully you know we talk about using privilege and and stuff like that hopefully getting a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and not only talk about the thing that they're an expert in but talk about their experience of being a black woman who's a star wars fan and and dealing with the toxic sort of culture that is in that franchise Mm -hmm. or being you know um a trans woman who uses their uh, identity to explore uh, uses Dungeons and Dragons to explore their gender identity, right? I have a few friends that have done that. So, like, that's part of the thing, uh, the, the the other part of that that, that that thing that I'm working on. So Cool. I will keep my eyes out for that. Yeah, please. And when, it, when it emerges, I will definitely uh, tell the the four people that will be listening yeah, to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, your uh, outro music choice. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's... Um, I picked, what, Heat Wave or... Uh, I think it was Heat Wave. Think so yeah yeah heatwave by um snail mail snail mail is a it's a great yes, young yes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a great young band um one young lady i think she's about 19 years old uh, she writes most of the music a couple dudes play on the record um she's great indie college rocky sort of feel really really a uh, clever lyricist uh for a young woman of her age um 
and I've been listening to that. It's been like my go-to album since the summer, right? Like we're in February and like every time I'm like driving somewhere and I need a chill, you know, album to listen to. So why Heat Wave? What's the... It's the first song I heard by them. It's okay. good. Um, it, it's a good track. I know they have a music video for it. The music video is cool. She's playing hockey and like kicking people's ass and stuff oh, like cool. that. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good record, good band, um, and uh, you know, check them out. That's why I wanted to give them the plug because I love them so much. <laughs> right on. Well, one of the reasons, folks, that I, I chose Tim uh, to be on episode one is because I knew that as I was nervously looking at my notes and the time. Uh, that we have been talking, and whether or not the technical side was working, <laughs> that there would be no dead air. Uh, <laughs> and that is not a knock on Tim. Okay. That is, that is a, a, a compliment to how seriously he takes everything that I think he considers uh, and digs deep on it. And uh, I really want to thank you for for joining me on, on, the, on the Maiden Voyage. No, this was a lot of fun. I'm, I, I'm honored to be your first guest, and I really appreciate the, the, the little... Uh, um, compliment you just gave me it means right. a lot i appreciate it cool all right folks thanks take care folks That was my interview with Tim. I hope you liked it. Um, I hope you found him interesting and see why I think he's interesting and why I thought he was a good first guest for Brian Talks to Humans. A bit of a disclaimer. Uh, We plugged Tim's podcast towards the end of our interview. If you do go listen, you will may see that I was on a recent episode. Uh, Some of you know that I've battled back some some demons in my life uh, but you may not have known all the demons and so I, I mentioned a couple things on that episode that you may not have uh, known that I dealt with uh, we we did so in a way that I think you know we we made light of it but you know also I think recognized the the seriousness of it um, just know that you know the the recovery that I have from drugs and alcohol, uh, extends to other things, uh, and your your boy is in a good place. Let's put it that way. So, okay, you can find me at BrianTalksToHumans.net. That's pretty much your one-stop shopping. You'll see uh, all the different ways to contact me, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you'll, you'll see that, uh, the links to SoundCloud and Anchor where the episodes are going to be posted until they start getting, uh, uh, posted on some of the more popular podcatchers like Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher. And you'll see a donate button where you can donate through Patreon to offsetting the cost of the podcast, the, um, train rides and gas, uh, that I'll be using to go on location and, of course, the money that I've sunk into this recording equipment that isn't working. Uh, so, you know, uh, I kept the donation levels low 
you'll get a tweet or a shout out on the podcast. I uh, hope you um, enjoyed listening today. I hope you consider supporting me uh, through Patreon. Okay, stay human. So you see, don't believe in the system to legalize you or give you your freedom. You want rights? Ask them to read them. But every flower got a right to be blooming. Stay human because the streets are alive with the sound of boom back. Can I hear it once again? Boom back. Tell your neighbor, tell a friend, every box got a right to be blooming because the streets are alive with the sound of boom back. Can I hear it once again? Boom back. Tell your neighbor, tell a friend, every flower got a right to be blooming because all the freaky people make the beauty of the world. All the freaky